I did have the opportunity to kick this series off, and I'm, uh, I'm obviously pumped about having the, the, the opportunity to, to, to put a wrap on this series. And I've got to tell you, that Charlie, when he was talking about that whole thing, how radical Jesus was and is, it, it, it really is, he really was in particular that culture. And I want to show you that today because what happens today is sort of a double whammy. It's not just what he says, which what this series has been about, some of the things that he says that you're like, huh? Um, but today, it's not just what he says, it's what he does. And, and it's, it's amazing. And, um, and before we get into the text and uh, into the biblical account and so forth, I want to I just say, right, we're going to just go through that, then we're going to, I got, I'm going to have two takeaways for you today. We'll get to those in, in a moment. Just two takeaways, not, not three, not five, not 39, like somebody did one time here. Um, just two. Okay, and, and, uh, they're, but they're very important takeaways, so we'll get to those in a moment. But um, right now, before we get to the a narrative, biblical narrative, I want to I just get you into the culture a little bit because it's, this, this, this scripture is not going to mean as much to you if you don't understand a little bit of the background. First of all, you've got to understand there's this thing at the time called leprosy. There still is a thing called leprosy. Uh, the difference was at that time, the diagnosis wasn't obviously very refined. And we're not really sure if it was what we would call leprosy today, which there still is, or whether it was maybe just extreme psoriasis or something like that, or, 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 or something extreme, sort of, you know, uh, eczema or something. But whatever it was, it, would, it was not just dry skin. Like, I, I got, some, got a little bit on my hands right now. Um, it wasn't just dry skin or a little patch of psoriasis or something. It would, it would really be disfiguring and dismember the person. They called it leprosy, at least that's how it's translated in most Bibles today. And um, so much so that people would be ostracized. They would, they would have to, uh, they would wrap themselves up. They, didn't ha- they would do that because they didn't want people to see them because they would have members of their, of their body that would be, you know, just sort of not there's there there's a myth that they would fall off their their arms wouldn't fall off but they would be they would become very disfigured and they would cover themselves up and whenever they would be walking somewhere they would say unclean unclean because that was a big thing in the Jewish custom that you were either clean or you were unclean and 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 it was a big deal they had leper colonies of course they were usually near dumps so they could find food somehow as awful and disgusting as that is and um so it was it was a thing and and, and for for a person to have leprosy i mean it was just it was, you just shunned them and, and 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 even if you're a family member you just stayed away from them because at that time they thought if you touched them you could catch it you, you couldn't um, it still can. It's not you don't you don't get leprosy that way, and it's not you know. Some people thought at the time it may have been some sort of they would, didn't have this term, of course, but sexually transmitted disease. Um, they thought some you know some they had, usually people who had leprosy. They, the thought was did something really bad. That of course was not the case, or may, didn't necessarily had nothing to do with. Well, maybe they did, but it had nothing to do with their leprosy. So you got this the stigma. I mean, the stigma on steroids on this thing of, of, of this leprosy thing. You got that going on. And, and, and then you have all this cleansings going on because the Jewish culture at that time was, and, and we're so enamored with cleansings, not like you and I are. Those of us, if you're like me, are just a germ freak. 
where I carry Purell in my golf bag. I mean, you know, it's, I know it's crazy, but I do. And, and just because I'm a kind of freak about that stuff, that's not what we're talking about, though. We're talking about cleansings that were more about, like, re, uh, religious cleansings that really didn't do anything in terms of, they, I mean, they didn't even know what bacteria was, okay? So that, that had nothing to do with that. It had more to do with the symbolism of going through cleansings, you know, washing feet when you're in our house or whatever, because ceremonially, ceremonially they would be clean. So the clean and the unclean thing's a deal. It's a big deal. And then you have this leprosy thing that's a big deal. Keep that in mind as we go to the biblical account of what happens here with Jesus because what he said and did was pretty darn amazing. Um, we, go to, um, we go to the book of Luke, okay? And um, amazing what happens here. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns... A man came along who was covered with leprosy. I mean, he looked bad. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew who he was. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground, and he begged him. This is very important, what happens here. He begged him, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. Now, that, that, that statement is packed with stuff. First, he says, Lord. He didn't say Jesus. He knows that curious. That's the Greek. He knows Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. He knows that. This guy's a follower of Christ. He's a believer in Jesus. That Jesus is God. So he's by, he, we know that by the way he addresses him there with, the, with, that, with that word Lord, or in the Greek, what it means. Lord, if you, and he says, if you are willing, not if you can, because he knows he can. He's basically saying, I've prayed this, maybe you've prayed this, Lord, if it's your will. Make me clean. That's what he's praying. Only he's he's seeing Jesus face to face. Lord, if you're willing, if it's your will, would you make me clean, please? Jesus reached out his hand. Unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable. He touched him. You don't do that. Even even in the law of Moses, in Leviticus, uh, in the Old Testament, it says don't touch an unclean person. The the thinking at the time was if you touch an unclean unclean person, you're, you're unclean now. So Jesus touched him. Unbelievable. Talk about him. That was radical. I guarantee you, when that happened, I promise you, all the people around there probably went, oh, are you kidding me? Jesus touched that leper. This is pretty cool. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, Don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Here's what he did. He said, I don't want you telling anybody because I want everybody, I'm here, Jesus is basically saying, I don't, I don't, you know, he wants the message that he's teaching, the message of love, the message of grace. He wants that message being taught. He doesn't want to just be a healer, so to speak, although he did do a lot of that. But the reason he said go to the priest, he says, because that was the cultural thing to do. And Jesus is saying, do, do what's right in our culture. You go to the, he, the priest at the, at the temple and have him offer the sacrifices that are to be made for a person to be healed of, of, uh, of leprosy. Now, there is a chapter in the Old Testament. I don't recommend, I won't, you won't hear me say this very much about any place in the Bible, but it's Leviticus chapter 14. I'll tell you what, in the next night you have insomnia, Get your Bible and read Leviticus 14. Boom. It's better than Ambient, baby. I mean, boom. 
You know, um, it's it, it because it's it, it will tell you what the sacrifices you do to be healed of leprosy. There's no guarantee that it would happen. It only happened four times, in, three times in scripture, and Jesus did those. Okay, and it had nothing to do with the sacrifices. But Jesus is just saying, this is what your culture asked for for you to be healed. Go make the go do those sacrifices. It's like you know, you sacrifice a bird, then you do this, and you do this, and you go back for three steps, and you go side with two steps, and you go and you hold your mouth this way. I'm exaggerating only a little bit, but um, but Levit- Leviticus 14 talks about that. So he says, go to the priest, have him do the sacrifices and so forth uh, for the person who's being healed because you've been healed. Now, what Jesus was really doing. He was, he was trying to communicate to the, to the priest, the Messiah is here. Because everybody knew this guy was a leper. Everybody. Everybody in town knew this guy was a leper. And Jesus is trying to say to, 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 to the, you go, you go show the priest, you're clean. They're going to say, how did this happen? You know, and they're going to know the Messiah is here. It was Jesus. But he doesn't do that. The guy doesn't go to the priest. He doesn't do, and he does exactly what he, 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 Jesus said, don't tell anybody. He told everybody. We know that by other accounts in Scripture and also by what happens in verse 15. Yet the news about him spread all the more. <laughs> so the crowds of people came to hear him, and he healed of the, he, to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So that's what happens here. Um, amazing thing. Two takeaways that I want you to think about. Get your arms and your brain around, all right? The first one is this. The touch of Jesus cleanses. The touch of Jesus cleanses. And I'm obviously using this in, in, in not necessarily the cleansing way of, of literal cleansing. I mean, it, I mean it literally, but I mean it also figuratively. And I'll show you what I mean. Because it was Jesus' touch that healed, or as the, uh, the Bible that we're reading says, cl- cleansed or clean, cleansed the leper. And the same is, the same is true today. When we invite Christ into our, I'll say it this way, leper-like lives, uh, we're, we're not lepers and we don't have leprosy. We, we probably have something that's worse. It's called a sin-sick soul. All of us do. Whether it's we make mistakes, we fail, we're selfish, we're petty, we get arrogant, we're prideful. And Jesus can come into our life to cleanse us. His touch cleanses us, all the crap we carry around with us. It's complicated, and I want to explain it because, um, I mean, it really is. A, leprosy is a great metaphor for, for just sin-infected people. We are unclean, and we are um, short of God's grace. We are rotten to the core, and nothing's, nothing's going nothing's to heal us short of God's grace at least of, the, of our hearts. Well, I mean, we all clean up nice and look nice and are polite and all that kind of stuff. But, the, but beneath it all is still the darkness of, 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 of the selfishness and so forth that we all experience from just being broken people in a broken world. And what I want you to see is that we are all in need of Jesus' touch to be cleansed. We're all in need of it. Let me show you another passage in the Bible. Here the Apostle Paul is talking to a church in a place called Corinth, which is uh, in now what we now know as Greece. And it's a pretty, it's a seaport type of city. It's on, it's on the uh, international trade route of that time. It's written around 55 AD. And these are, this, is a, this is a church that is, 
they are really messed up. I mean, they got people sleeping with each other. They got people cheating each other. They got people suing each other. They got people, you know, short-selling each other in the wrong way and just all kinds of stuff, lying to each other, um, you know, coming to have communion and getting drunk out of their minds. Just a screwed-up church. So the Apostle Paul is chastised him. And look, what he, look how he says this. This is in, the, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in, in the message paraphrase. Don't you realize that this is not the way to live? Unjust people who don't care about God will not be joining in his kingdom. Those who use and abuse each other, use and abuse sex, use and abuse the earth and everything in it, they don't qualify as citizens in God's kingdom. And a number of you know from experience what I'm talking about. For not so long ago, you were on that list. (laughs) We've all been on that list, if not exactly in some form, thought. Keep reading here because he says, since then... You've been cleaned up, cleansed, and given a fresh start by Jesus, our Master, our Messiah, and by our God, present in us, the Spirit. You've been cleansed. You came to faith in Christ. Look at the next verse, 1 Peter chapter 1. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. You're cleansed with your sin, and, and, and that's going to result in a certain kind of behavior where you're going to act in a loving way. Are you every time? No, because you're still broken, but you've been cleansed. See, here's, here's how this works. This is, this is the important issue here. Um, we all have our issues. We all have our, our, our we're all broken. And, you know, and, and some of that shows in big ways, and some of it doesn't show, but doesn't mean we're any less broken. And all of, us, all of us have the need to have the touch of Christ in our life, to be cleansed of that sin. When, when, when we come to faith, when we come to recognize that Jesus loves me, I don't deserve it. I'm a jerk sometimes. Sometimes I'm a nice jerk. We're all jerks, different forms, different ways. None of us deserve it. We've all got our stuff, right? So when we come to recognize that Jesus came and lived and suffered and died and rose again. And he did that for me. Different, Richie. Yeah, listen, I got enough sins to put Jesus on the cross. My, me alone. But so do you. Some of them may be obvious. Some of them may not be obvious. That doesn't matter. They're all sins in God's eyes. We miss the mark of perfection. So when, I, when, I, when, I, when you come to faith and you say, I'm trusting you, Lord... That's the moment when you're cleansed of your sins and you're forgiven. And, you know, and maybe you just, you just you come to that line of faith and here's minus one, minus two, minus three, and over here's plus one, plus two, plus three, and you just crawl over that line to say, you know what, I got a lot of questions, I have a lot of doubts, but Lord, I, I'm, I'm just trusting you for you to be who you said you are. It doesn't mean I don't have a few questions, no, but I'm, you crawl over that line, you become a follower of Christ. You become cleansed of your sins. And he cleanses us of all that junk. And he forgives us. But here, that's what that means in coming to Christ. And you know, sometimes, sometimes we, need to, we, we need to, I don't know where you are, you need to make sure about that. You know, I, this is a tough one because not too long ago, I had a friend who'd been in, in, in a church where I'd been and I found out that there was a possibility that they might have something that was going to take their lives. 
and I had to go out of my way, and I didn't mind doing it at all, I, I had to talk to him. We got together and we had lunch, and I said, let's, let's take a walk. He said, I got to talk to you. I said, um, I got to know. I said, I know you've heard me speak a million times, and, but we've not really had this discussion face-to-face. I got to know. I got to know. What happens if this is it? Am I going to see you in heaven? And there was sort of an awkward pause, and my friend said, Richard, we're in good shape. There's no question in my mind. I've trusted Jesus. Still have a few questions here and there, but I've trusted Christ. I'll, I'll be seeing you in heaven. I hope it's not soon, but I'll be seeing you in heaven. And I said, amen to that. Um, You've got to have those discussions sometimes with yourself and God, maybe with somebody else. It's just too, impo- it's just too important. So you come, you, you cross that line of faith. Jesus touches you. You're cleansed. He touches, he cleanses your life, and you're forgiven. Here would be, I'm about ready to utter, I've got it written down so I don't forget it. I'm about ready to give to you a very grammatic, a poor grammatical sentence. Actually, it's not a sentence because it's bad grammar. But um, I wrote it that way because I want to make a point, okay? Just so I want you to know, I say, I, had it, I want you to know that. Okay? You're never not in need of being cleansed. You're never not in need of being cleansed. I know I could say that another way and make a nice, complete sentence out of it, but I want you to get the force of that. You're never not in need of being... That's not a one-time thing. It's not, okay, I come to Jesus, I've been cleansed, I'm good now, I'm great, right? No. Let me show you a verse about this. It's real clear. 1 John chapter 1. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves. That's pretty good. You think you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you think you don't sin? Liar, liar, pants on fire. Uh, if we claim we have no sin, we are fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Verse 9, but if we confess our sins to him, this is to the believer now, this is the Christian, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that when he says, if we confess our sins, is written in a thing in the Greek called the present active tense. It means to confess and keep on confessing. This is, this is, this is you say, how often do you do this, this confession? For me, about once an hour. Some of you are a little better than me, and maybe you don't have to do it quite that often. Uh, but I mean, I'm talking thoughts. I'm talking, you know, I, I'm not saying I go out here and, and, and hate on somebody once an hour. I hope I don't do that. But, but um, thoughts, everything, sometimes that, that, that just falls short of that mark of what that God has for us. So if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful, forgive us of our sins, and cleanse us from all our this is This is really the, this is a verse for believers, followers of Christ, to, for us to cling to daily, daily on this. I mean, it's why Jesus came, paying the penalty for my sins and allows me to be acceptable to him. That's, the, that's why we need the touch of Jesus to cleanse in our lives. That's why. That's the first takeaway. Second takeaway. Let me go back again and just read one more thing that we already read. I, just, I just wanna, want you to see it. Draw attention to it. Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. 
Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Reached out his hand and touched the man. Why did he touch him? I mean, I'm I'm really perplexed. He didn't have to touch him. This is God. This is Jesus Christ, the Lord. He could have said, be healed, be cleansed, be clean, be cleansed. That's all I could have done. He touched this ugly, you know, dismembered, being dismembered body. And the people thought Jesus was now unclean. They, and, and, and at that time, people thought Jesus knew better because he was God. But Jesus, uh-oh, now he's got leprosy. He touched the leper. I mean, why did he have to touch the guy? Why did he have to do that? I don't know why he did that, but I'm going to tell you what I learned from that. Jesus modeled for us a concept that we need, that we desperately need in our lives. I'm calling it touching the untouchable. Got a question for you. Who are the untouchable to you? Who are the people that you don't want to touch, you don't want to reach out to, you don't want to talk to? You, and, and maybe they're desperately, and you don't even know this, but, or maybe you do. I don't, they're in need of somebody like you speaking into their lives. Maybe it's, maybe it's something simple as talking to them. Maybe it's something more where you want to invest in their lives. Who are, who are those untouchable people for you? <laughs> one, friend of mine, one friend of mine says this, I have this prejudice we're talking about this, against, against those with no talent, no brains, and aren't cool. I said, well, they're different than you, that's for sure. And, 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 you know, for some of us, that untouchable person might be the homeless person that we see. And then you say, oh, I don't want to touch them, I only make eye contact with them. Well, you know what, I, I, would, I would encourage you, maybe it's time for you to sign up for some volunteer work at a homeless shelter. There are plenty around, and maybe you need to let God work in your life through that way because there shouldn't be t- people, there shouldn't be untouchable people in our lives. Now, on the other hand, there are many here, many of you, who happily do that. And that, that would never be some, an untouchable people group to you, the, the homeless and the poor. That would never be that. Maybe to you, it's the, the successful people. They don't need me around. I don't like them anyway, you know. They're successful. I'm not. You know, it's like, you know, it's all the stuff that, you know, you, you, that, that you think they are and you're not. And you, and you just don't want to mess with them. You know, they're rich. They're successful. <laughs> I have this. Every now and then. It's so funny. Um, every place I've lived and pastored, there's always, there's always the group of people that's sort of the uppity people. We have a, a good friend from our church in Vail here today. And in Vail, it was uh, the, 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 the up valley and the down valley people. You know, the up valley people, they're all, that's where Vail was. They were up valley people. They're all the rich. They're all the snobs. They're all the down valley people. They're, you know, they're just the real people. Thankfully, we had both at our church there. Here, of course, it's, uh, you hear this every so often, and I always, get, I always get a big kick out of it. And it's like, some, it's like serving me up a nice, fat fastball right down the middle when somebody does this. Um, They'll, you'll be talking with people sometimes about different, different towns and all that, and, and every now and then I'll, somebody will say to me, yeah, those Short Hills people, they're a bunch of snobs, a bunch of rich snobs, a bunch of, you know, yada, 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 yada. And I just, I just sit here thinking, oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to get to say something I want to say, you know. I love those confrontations. I love them. And uh, I'll let them finish, and I'll say, you really feel that way? Oh, yeah, Short Hills people. I'm like, I'm from Short Hills. And I, I know a lot of those people. I go to parties of those people, and a lot of them are my friends, play golf with some of them. And I like them. 
I just, you know, just, it just, and then they're so awkward, they don't know what to say. And just kind of fun game I love to play, and they're starting to hubba, 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 hubba. They don't know what to say at that point. I know, that's, I probably have to go confess my sins to Jesus after I do that, I know. But I just enjoy that. Listen, you know what? It, it doesn't matter who the people are. Uh, it doesn't matter who the untouchable person is to you. I mean, it, it, there's always that, the, it, it, maybe you're one of these guys. The person who has it all together. I don't want to. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to deal with them. I know this person who has it all together. They don't need me in their life. Let me, let me help you with this one. As somebody who's been around the block, eh, two or three times. Guy who's hung. I didn't hear that, and I don't want to hear that. We do not have an interactive crowd. Um, <laughs> been around the block a couple times. Um, and I've hung out with you a lot. All, I've been privileged in my life as, as, a, as a pastor to, to hang out with a lot of people who, quote, quote, unquote, had it all together. Can I tell you something? They don't have it all together. <laughs> they might give the appearance of having it all together, but trust me, they don't have it all together. Nobody does. And that person, if that person's in your life and they're untouchable, they might need to have you invest a little bit of your time and Whatever else, into, whatever that might mean, to, 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 to spend some time with them, or, or, or who knows, maybe even become a friend. You never know. Here's my point. It, it, when we deal with these things that are these untouchable people groups or certain people, it's when they're so different. When they're just, they're just different from us, and therefore we start building these walls. And Jesus, Jesus would never do that. I mean, and he gave the extreme example of touching the untouchable leper. I, I spoke uh, last Wednesday. I spoke, uh, a couple of our kids workers downstairs have been trying, they, they work at a camp out here, um, Liberty Corner. I didn't even know it was there. It's actually, I don't know, you take, you, you go out 78, take exit 33, take a right, and then take a left, and it's right there. So it's called Camp Sunshine, S-O, spelled S-O-N. And um, they've been wanting to get me to speak out there, so I came out to speak, and, and I don't know, it's 50... I don't know how many, 50 or 75 kids, mostly junior high, a couple of them were a little older. And uh, so I spoke for about a half hour, 25 minutes. About, And my, my theme was, uh, because a lot of these kids don't go to church, or, or if they go to church, it's a type of church where they don't talk about these things. My theme was basically, uh, are you, are you going to, is it religion or is it a relationship? My point was, is, it, is, is religion worth it? The answer being no. Or is it a relationship with your creator, your Lord God, with, with Christ? And I tried to explain the difference and, and what that should mean at a verse or two that I showed them. And I, you know, I think it went pretty well. They, they paid attention, and, um, um, which is something for junior high kids, you know? I mean, little knuckleheads sometimes. So I made fun of them a lot, too. That helped. Made fun of the boys. You've got to make fun of the boys. So anyway, I got through, and they'd asked me to ask for questions. And so... The first question, I don't remember what the first question was because the second question so set me off in such tra- trauma that, I, that I've forgotten most everything else. The second, the second question, you're not going to believe this question. You're not going to believe this question. It's going to shock you. I got through and the kid says, I said, yeah, young man down front. I said, he says, so do all Christians hate gays? Do you believe that? I'm like, I mean, I was fortunate I didn't utter, I, I was thinking, are you kidding me, you know? Um, <laughs> thankfully, I, I'm, I, I stop and I'm like, no, you, no, we don't hate gays. And, I, and I, 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 was, I was just operating out of, you know, at this point, reaction. I said, I got, I have several gay friends. We have gay people that come to our church. We, we're going to disagree on some things, but we love each other. And Jesus loves them just as much as he loves me and loves you and loves anybody else. We don't hate anybody. 
But it just cracked. I mean, just, I, then I said to him, how old are you? He said, I'm 11. I didn't say this. My thought was, the only thing I knew about gay when I was 11 was, oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, how bright and gay your colors, you know? Um, but I just thought that's just, you know, and it just, it's so, it's, it's so tragic that so many times people, they get in these people with others who are different, whether it be people groups or certain individuals, and they just get crazy with it. The model of Jesus was touch the untouchable, whoever that might be in your life. And, you know, um, this morning in a couple of different services, some people were talking to me downstairs, and one lady says to me, I, th- I know who the untouchables are in my life. As soon as you said that, I thought of a person's face and name. I said, can I ask you who that was? She said, yeah, my drug addict cousin. And I said, what are you going to do? She said, I'm going I'm to call him today. I said, God bless you. Another lady says to me, same thing, what conversation. I, I thought of, as soon as you said, I thought of an untouchable person. And I said, who was that? My mother. I said, well, I said, are you going to take care of that? Yeah, I'm going to. It's true for all of us. And Jesus' example is very clear. Touching the untouchable. By the way, how do you do that? How do I muster up the courage or the heart or the whatever, the wherewithal, the intestinal fortitude? How do I muster that up to be able to do that? I'll tell you, I think there's only only one way. And I'm, take, I'm going to take you to my life verse, the verse that, the, the, the passage that, that defines everything I do and am and, and ever hope to be. And, and if, if they don't read this at my funeral, and you, need, you have my permission to stand up and say, Rich would have wanted me to read this. Okay? That's assuming that, that you live longer than me and don't bet on it. Okay? But... Uh, um, <laughs> Especially whoever it was that made that rude remark back there. Um, <laughs> but but it, it's this one passage, one passage that just defines who I am. And I think it's the only way to really get to where you can touch the untouchable. It comes from Matthew, and it's when this guy tries to trick Jesus up. And he says, he says Master, teacher, what's the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus quickly replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commands. Love God, love people. That's it. It's simple. Not always simple to do, I understand. But it's simple. Love God, love people. The concept. We have to ask, you know, as we, we have to ask God, and, and how, we, how do we develop this, 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 this thing for, for touching the untouchables, we have to ask God to give us the ability. And we start by, God, increase my capacity for who you are. And here's the thing. Notice the order these come in. Love God. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and, then, and love your neighbor as yourself. I don't believe you get the second without the first. And I'll tell you, in my, in my just in the course of life, one good barometer when I find myself extra short with people, extra, less tolerant, less, less willing to touch the untouchables, almost every time I can step back and say, you know what, Lord, I'm not where I need to be with you right now. I need to pray. I need to confess some junk in my life, and, and, and I need to get where I need to be with you. And, and inevitably, it affects how I treat others. So how do I, how do I, how do I reach these? It, it starts with your relationship with Christ and loving him. Love God, love people. And then we're able to see people 
as God sees people, as Christ sees people. And sometimes that's my prayer. Lord, help me to see people as you see them, not as I see them, through my own selfish lens of, oh, they're a pain in the butt or whatever, or that particular one is, but be able to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's more going on here. It comes down to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, the touch of Jesus cleanses us from sin. The touch of Jesus models for us the ability to touch the untouchable. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you, thank you, thank you for the love and the grace that you have shown all of us. God, I pray that we would model that as we come, wherever we are in our faith journeys, that we would come to model that as you have have you has been patient with us in so many different ways that we would be able to show that to others. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the forgiveness that you provide for each of us. And thank you for the ability then for us to love others and even to reach out, to touch some that are just not very lovable at times. We thank you for that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.